thank you very much for this opportunity uh, to share the word of God and to be part of the church. Um, uh, you know, this is like today, this is my second service. Morning, seven o'clock, I was preaching in another part of the world. So this is my second preaching today. And uh, great to be here sharing the word of God. As you know that Paul has um, been teaching on the armor of God. So he asked me to share on the breastplate of righteousness. So just let me share to you uh, my other camera. Um, so today, what I would like to share to you is on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay. And uh, the scripture that we just read from Isaiah chapter 59, verse 14 to 17, you know, where God was saying that justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off for truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. So God was saying that there is no justice, there is no righteousness. And in the midst of all this, God is, you know, speaking about the coming Messiah, about Jesus Christ, for he put on righteousness as a breastplate, a helmet of salvation on his head. And then when we fast forward, we read in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, you know, where Paul, he's telling the Ephesians, Ephesians church, because the church in Ephesus, they were facing challenges, a lot of challenges, persecution, and a lot of other things were happening. And in the midst of it, he's saying, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Right now, what we see, we are, you know, seeing the evil day. Uh, we are living in an evil day. And we are seeing a lot of things happening around us. And then he says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Then he says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate was an important piece of the soldier's armor. It covered both the front of the body and the back of the body. And it protected the most vital organs of the body. And in particular, it protected the heart. And when we talk about the heart, you know, the scripture says in Proverbs 4 verse 23, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. A lot of things, a lot of issues of life, it all springs out of heart. And that's what the scripture says, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. The evil one would like to strike our heart. And secondly, heart is the center of our emotions. And then third, heart is the center of our devotion. And then fourth, heart is the center of our relationship with God. And that's why the writer of the Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart. Romans 3 verse 10 says, you know, that there is none of us righteous, no, not one. And then Isaiah also speaks about that our righteousness is like filthy rags. You know, so with our own righteousness, we cannot come before God, because God is a holy God. And just to talk about this, you know, I would like to just go back to the book of Genesis to just explain a little bit about it. Okay, and this is very important, you know, pay careful attention to this. When in Genesis chapter one, we see that God created everything. 
he created heaven and earth and he created everything that is in the earth, the cattle, the birds of the air, the creeping things. And then he creates man and woman. And he says in verse 28, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the seas, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So you see here that God said to man and woman that be fruitful and multiply. And he says, subdue it and have dominion. So God has created the earth and everything in it. And God has given dominion to Adam and Eve, to mankind. As you can see here in this picture. And they obeyed God. They followed God. They did what God said. And they were under the authority of God. But, and here again, Psalm 8 verse 6 speaks about, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. But then something happened. You know, as you know the story, serpent comes in the picture. He tempts Adam and Eve. And they fall into that temptation. And what happens is, they move away from the authority of God. And they come under the authority of Satan. I'll explain to you in a minute, what do I mean about it? So as we read in Genesis 3, 6, so when the woman saw the tree was good for food, it was pleasant for to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took off its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate it. And we see that it speaks about good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes and desirable to make one wise. You know, and First John speaks about that, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and pride of life. You know, scripture says in Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 23, it says here where God is saying, but this is what I commanded them saying, obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people. So you see what God said, obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people. But what Adam and Eve did was they obeyed the voice of Satan and they moved away from the authority of God and came under the authority of Satan. You know, the scripture says in Romans 6, 16, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey you are that one's slaves whom you obey. Now you see here what it says. You are that one's slaves whom you obey. And when Adam and Eve yielded to the temptation from the serpent, Satan, they obeyed him and they became slaves of Satan. And you know, as we know the scripture, 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one, Satan. But then it says, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sin. But then something happened. 2,000 years back, Jesus Christ comes and 
he is also tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And he tempts him in that same three areas as he tempted Adam and Eve. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And he obeyed him, but Jesus did not yield to that temptation. Instead, he used the word of God against the devil. And the scripture says, 519 of Romans, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. So today, we stand before God, not with our own righteousness, but with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that's what it happens. But, and again, 1 Corinthians 15, 21 says, For since by one man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So if you believe, in Jesus Christ. You are made alive in Christ Jesus. You belong to him. You stand before God in his righteousness. So when God looks at you, he looks at you through Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's what happened. But as you, and as you can see here, the picture, when you believe in Jesus Christ, you move away from the authority of Satan and you come under the authority of Jesus Christ because you obey him. You confess with your mouth that he is Lord. But as you live that Christian life, there are many challenges that we face. As we walk with the Lord, you know, we many times fail. We falter. We do things that are not pleasing unto God. And what devil does is he always accuses us of all our wrongdoing. He will try to remind us of our failures. And that's why, you know, the scripture says in Revelation 12, 10, for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. So he always accuses you. Look at the failure. Look at, you know, the things that you did. You are not worthy. You are weak. And when he attacks you with that, it makes us feel that, you know, it, it becomes a barrier. You remember the scripture which, which I shared? Above all else, guard your heart. And that's where the evil one tries to attack. You know, righteousness. What is righteousness? It means to be in right standing with God. Righteousness means to be in the right relationship with God. And Praise God that we do not stand in our righteousness, but we stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And when the devil, he comes, he might say to you, you are not good enough. He might say to you, you are a failure. He might say to you, you have failed God repeatedly. And then he might say, you, say to you, you can't match the standards and the holiness of You know, he uses, the evil one uses your own sins in a hateful way. It brings to you a place where you start hating yourself. But take courage. We stand in the righteousness of God. You know, the evil one, he seeks to make you feel helpless and hopeless. He gets you to focus your attention upon yourself and your sins. He drives you away from the cross of Christ. He moves you farther and farther away from the Lord. 
He wants you to experience regret and remorse, but not repentance. And that's what he does. You know, I would like to bring an example to you and then I'll close my message after that. And this example, which I want to use is uh, from book of Isaiah chapter 36. It is a powerful story that we can learn from book of Isaiah chapter 36, you know, and I would like to share to you. And of course the evil one, he always brings the guilt and shame to us. Now the story which I want to share to you from Isaiah 36 is this. This was the time when Israel was divided into two kingdoms. The Northern kingdom was called Israel. The Southern kingdom was called Judah. And in those days, there was this king of Judah who was known as King Hezekiah. Now with King Hezekiah and the other Kings around in that kingdom, Necrib, he was the Assyrian King. He was very powerful. He was very brutal and he ruled over all this kingdom, but King Hezekiah, you know, he decides to rebel against this King uh, Sennacherib, and uh, he refuses to pay homage to him. And as a result, he sends his general, who is also known as Rapsheke, you know, he sends his general with a huge army to attack Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the capital of the kingdom of Judah. And as you can see, the scripture tells us, you know, that all these kingdoms around, that is Jericho, Lachish, and all these kingdoms were captured by Rapsheke. And then he goes to Jerusalem. And when he goes to Jerusalem, you know, he just goes outside the wall of Jerusalem. And that's where King Hezekiah sends his three men, you know, the, who are wise people. He sends them out to meet him, to negotiate with him. Now, what happens is this. This Rapsheke, this general, he starts accusing. He tells them, you are weak. And actually what had happened was King Hezekiah thought Egypt will come to their rescue to save them. But Egypt did not turn up. They abandoned them. And it was a situation when King Hezekiah and his people in Jerusalem were on their own. They were, there was no help coming from anywhere. And here comes this general with his vast army. And he tells them, that you are not good enough. You are weak. Your God is not going to save you. It is something like the scripture which I shared to you earlier, the accuser of brethren, where he made them feel they are not good enough. They are weak people. And, you know, these three wise men, they are so concerned. And, you know, as you can see in the picture, the scripture tells us there were people on the wall watching what was going on. And these three people get concerned about the situation. And he, they tell him, don't speak in Hebrew. Speak in your language. We understand that. Because if you speak in Hebrew, these people will get discouraged who are listening to you. But Rab Sheke wouldn't listen. He goes on to ridicule them even more. To cut the story short, you know, what happens is with all that intimidation, what is the response of King Hezekiah. Isaiah 37 verse 1 says, he went into the house of the Lord. He went into the house of the Lord. What do you do when you are discouraged? What do you do when there are people around you who tells things to you which can, you know, 
be not nice and which undermines you. What do you do in the difficult situations of your life? King Hezekiah, the scripture says, he went into the house of the Lord. And then even Isaiah, you know, he comes and brings the word of God to King Hezekiah. And he says this, you know, and the Lord says, do not be afraid of the words which you have heard. Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard. Do you have any kind of fear in your life? And God is saying to you this morning, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid for I am there to rescue you. I am there to deliver you because I am your righteousness. You're not there standing on your own strength because I'm, it is my righteousness that brings you to me. You know, in Isaiah 37, verse 14 to 15, the scripture says, then Hezekiah, he prayed to the Lord. Ezekiah, he prayed to the Lord. You know, that's the best thing that we can do. Whenever you feel lonely, whenever you feel rejected, whenever you feel discouraged, downhearted, the best place to go is into the presence of God and pray. The scripture tells me, you know, the, there is fullness of joy in the presence of God. In his presence, there is peace. In his presence, we are loved. You know, that's what God's presence does. And Hezekiah, he knew that. You know, he, it says Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. Now for Hezekiah, there was no help coming from anywhere. It looked like here he was standing in front of a mighty army and he himself was weak and his people were weak and discouraged. They didn't know what to do. And he prayed to the Lord. And you know, to cut the story short, when you read further in chapter 37 and 38, you know what happened? Where King Sennacherib, he was fighting a battle. One night, an angel of the Lord comes. One angel comes and destroys 185,000 of Sennacherib's army. One angel comes and destroys 185,000 people. And with that, as a result, Sennacherib, he gets discouraged and he goes back to Assyria. And when he goes back to Assyria, his two sons plot against him and kills him. And this Rabshik and everyone, they rush back to Assyria. There was a moment in King Hezekiah's life, it looked like nothing, there is, this is an impossible situation. It looked like he's going to be destroyed. It looked like end was coming near. But he looked to the Lord and God did not disappoint him. You know, and he could have just succumbed to that pressure, to that intimidation that Rab Sheke was bringing. And he could have just surrendered at that moment. But instead of surrendering to Sennacherib, he surrenders himself to God. And then he sees the victory. You know, people of God, I just want to encourage you this and say this to you. You know, we face everyday battles of life. We go through different situations in life, challenges in life. And when we go through all this, you know, there are times we can, as I mentioned earlier, can discourage. Sometimes we fail, we falter. But remember this, as Paul, he said, put on the breastplate of righteousness. When you put on that breastplate of righteousness, you know, you stand before God in his righteousness. 
and God will give you the victory. I'm closing very soon. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he has made him to be sin for us, of God. You know, Job chapter 22, verse 28 says, You will also declare a thing, and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. Light will shine on your ways. You know, so what we need to do when we feel discouraged, down, and challenges that we face, we need to speak out. We need to declare the word of God. We need to declare the promises of God. And we need to say, Lord, I know I am a failure. Lord, I have failed you. I have faltered. I've sinned against you. But Lord, here I come. And I put on this robe of breastplate of righteousness. And I stand before you, not on my righteousness, but your righteousness. Lord, help me, deliver me. And I'm telling you, God will do it for you. God will do it for you. So people of God, let us so put on the breastplate of righteousness. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good.